Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. Welcome to episode 32, I think. I think it's 32 of the Eye on Defense podcast. Uh, welcome, everyone. Just a reminder, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at defense underscore podcast. If you can possibly find the time, check us out on Twitter. We try to do something at least once a day. Try to, re- <clears throat> excuse me, remain relevant. Um, it's been about a week since I did a podcast and uh, not intentional. Generally, I like to do one every few days, but man, I just haven't seen anything that really excited me that was on the defense news. Um, I guess there's three things to talk about tonight. Um, number one is uh, there's the uh, big Farnborough uh, air show, international air show. It's in England, and I think it's about, I don't know, it's south southwest of London. This is an air show they do every two years. Supposedly, it's one of the biggest air shows in the world. Um, the dates of it are, I've got the dates written down somewhere. Oh, 18 to 22 July. They do it every two years. And I went to the website uh, because, you know, I like aviation just as much as the next person. And maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I'm going to the wrong website. But the website that I saw, uh, not very good. Uh, It's not very user-friendly. I don't know if if there's some sort of special login that you do to get all the cool stuff. I'll explore more uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow. And maybe I just not, I'm not, you know, maybe I need to log in, get a password, and then they show all the good stuff. But the Eurosatory that they did earlier, I think it was in June, that we, we talked a little bit about, that website was phenomenal. And it was kind of all access. You could see a lot of stuff. It was a really good website. But uh, I tell you, this Farnborough, it ain't knocking my socks off. So if you want to check it out, maybe you can navigate it better than I better than I can. And, you know, for a person like me who's doing a defense podcast that wants content, that wants to talk about the latest and greatest in defense, you know, they're making me look for it like a needle in a haystack. So anyway, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I need a password or something. I'll look into it more. And if I do figure it out, then I'll definitely talk about um, what what's going on there because I know they got some exciting stuff over there. I mean, I'd love to go see it. Um, I'd like to see the future vertical lift that they're doing over there and, uh, you know, the latest jet fighters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it's very exciting. It's just, I haven't, I haven't figured out how to access any of it as of yet, but I'll look into it. So moving on the next thing, uh, story from defense news from Joe Gould and Megan Myers, uh, like I said, Defense News is from July 20, which is today. Today is July 20th. A story from 3.02 p.m. Uh, that was about it's 10 o'clock here, so about seven hours ago. U.S. to send more high Mars precision rocket systems to re- Ukraine in the latest package. I wasn't tracking the latest package, but apparently there's a new one. Um, 
looks like they're going to send four more, the United States, of course, uh, that which will bring the total number to 16. Of course, we know the article says it's a light-wheeled multiple rocket launcher that allows Ukraine to strike targets at 85K or 53 miles. So that they're getting four more, which brings them up to, what I just said, at 16. Now, it looks like this came definitely from uh, the horse's mouth, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. And next to him was, of course, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States, is, uh, Army, who's an Army general, Mark Milley. Uh, he had a quote in here, and what did it say? He said, Milley said that the five-month-old invasion, obviously Ukraine and Russia, has evolved into a battle of attrition waged through long-range fires and in which Russia, Russian forces are expected to continue to use heavy artillery bombardments. Now, you remember, they're just, the United States has only been sending the, the high Mars, you know, I guess, uh, basic ammunition uh, and not the, uh, the long-range missile. I think it's called the ATACMS, Army Tactical Missile System, which has a 140-mile range. And they were asked, they, talking about Milley and uh, Austin, whether the U.S. would eventually send longer-range weapons such as the Army Tactical Missile System, the ATACMS, which has 140 mile range and Austin and Millie would not rule it out but said the current systems have been working well and that they've been very very successful now the article kind of goes on and further down there's a question in the in the line that says how many high mars systems does ukraine need and ukrainian defense minister oleg Rez, reznikov you know me i cannot pronounce names so how about this the ukrainian defense minister said tuesday that Kiev needs more long-range high-precision weapons and more flying drones to aid reconnaissance and precision strikes to protect Ukraine's massive borders. They need many more HIMARS. And I think he actually gave a number, and he did. And he said, we would need at least 100. I think that would be game-changer on the battlefield. So the article goes further on. It says Ukraine used the first eight HIMARS to destroy 30 command stations and ammunition storage facilities, which has dramatically decreased the intensity of Russian shelling and slowed down the Russian advance. So th this is me, what I think. Um, they've sent four. Every time they send, they sent packages of four. So four times four is 16. And he says he needs 100. So that would be... 25 packages of four, and I think, I'm guessing now, I guess a battery is four, or a battalion is four. I don't know how those, you know, I should look into that, I'll write that down. How the heck do these uh, HIMARS, how are these HIMARS artillery units organized? That's a good question. So I'm writing that down, HIMARS. I'll do a little homework, see how these HIMARS are, are uh, organized and then uh, finishing up the article, uh, Secretary Austin hailed UK's provision of M2, M270 MLRS, which is multiple launch rocket system, different than the HIMARS, same system, one's on tracks and one's on uh, wheels. Um, Poland's transfer of 155 self-propelled howitzers and Norway's cooperation on the recent U.S. transfer of the National Advance Surface-to-Air Missile System or NASMS. So you know we kind of talked about that before. So. Anyway, another package on the way, and if you're keeping up, um, that's a total of $6.1 billion in military aid to Ukraine since Russia invaded in February. And, you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, long-range precision fires, as well as arms and other equipment.
All right, so that's the latest uh, package going to Ukraine. Four more HIMARS. So now uh, we're getting to the other big story of the week, and that's the Senate Armed Service Committee uh, defense bill. Now, the House just did one, House of Representatives, uh, House Armed Service Committee, and now the Senate just did one. And uh, I know that this this doesn't excite a lot of people. Um, it's hard to get excited about Congress and lawmakers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I don't know why it is, but it's very important, though, what they're doing. So I kind of went over – I looked over the Senate. I didn't look over the House when I looked over the Senate one. Uh, so we'll go over it a little bit. I'll try not to bore the heck out of everybody. Uh, but before we do, maybe we should kind of talk about the U.S. budget and how it works, the defense budget. And I'll listen, I'm no expert on it. Uh, full disclosure, I, you know, I read a couple of articles on the Internet and I think I'm an expert. Um, so I did read a couple of articles on the Internet. I mean, how about this? I almost got through a couple of articles on the Internet and I think I'm an expert. So I'm going to tell you what I think I know. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll just get to get a little background, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the stuff that might be interesting uh, in the House, uh, I'm sorry, in the Senate Armed Service uh, bill. So like I said, I read an article on, on the U.S. budget. So real quick, um, the U.S. The United States budget, um, if you think of the pie chart, you have a pie chart. There's two types of spending in in the United States budget. Uh, there's mandatory spending and discretionary spending. Mandatory spending is stuff like that the Congress has to pay for. That's that could be veterans benefits, it could be um, Social Security, whatever that must be done. And out of the 100% pie chart, 62 percent of the federal budget is mandatory spending. That leaves 38. 62 plus 38 should be 100. Yep. 38% is called discretionary spending, which means other stuff. Uh, 8% of that is interest on the national debt. Um, again, I'm not, and this is from 2019, by the way. So 8% of that is for the national debt. That leaves 30, 30% for discretionary spending. And I think 16% of that is defense stuff. And then 14 is other stuff. Um, and then, so out of that discretionary spending, there are 12 categories. Um, and out of that 12 categories, uh, one of the categories is defense. And like I said, it takes 16%. So if you're agriculture, commerce, homeland security, uh, interior, you know, transportation, housing, urban development, you've got, you know, 14% of the le- what's left of the budget to fight with everybody else because defense takes 16% of it. So there you go. Now we're going to now we're kind of drilling down into the defense budget, which is what we're interested in on this podcast. So, you know, the two houses, the two the two uh, sides of, of, of government, you have, of course, the Senate and the House and um, they have committees. There's a House Armed Service Committee and then you have the Senate Armed Service Committee and they're broke down. This is we're talking about defense now and they're broke down into categories. So the House has the tactical air and land forces, military personnel, sea power and projection forces, strategic forces, readiness, emerging threat and capabilities, and oversight and investigations. The Senate has air, land, personnel, sea power, strategic forces, readiness and management support, and emerging threats and capabilities. Those are the subcommittees that kind of look after the defense, all kinds of stuff, but not only what's going on, but the defense budget too. 
and hopefully I'm not boring the heck out of everybody. But the way the federal budget works is uh, the president's supposed to submit a budget to the Congress, I think, the first Monday of, in February. Okay, so they do that. He, the, the president submits his budget, of which the Department of Defense budget is rolled up into that. And then April and May, the House Armed Service Committee and the Senate Armed Service Committee, they do their little markups. That's when you see all the uh, Secretary of the Army, Secretary of the Navy, you know, testifying before Congress on these committees on basically making the case why they need this money. And then um, in May and June, um, and sometimes July, the House and the Senate, they do their own uh, defense, uh, National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA. The Senate, do, uh, the Senate does one and the House does one. Basically, but it's important to remember that an authorization act is just saying, yes, uh, we looked at your programs. We, you are authorized to receive money for them. It doesn't allow them any money. It just says, yeah, you're good to get, you're good to get money for them. The real money comes from the appropriations committees that the House and the Senate have. They're the ones that say, okay, yeah, you're authorized to have this new rifle, to, to get money for the new rifle, but we're going to appropriate the money. In other words, you're authorized to have it, and we're going to appropriate the money. Now, you're asking for 50 bucks. We're going to give you 48 I'm just using that as an example. So it's the, the real power is in the appropriations. So the Senate will do appropriations, and the House will do an appropriations. They do them separate. Why they do them separate, I don't know. At some point, they've got to come together. They've got to come together, the House and the Senate, and they have to have a – I think they have a committee where reps from the House, reps from the Senate, um, and then they come together and they say, yep, yeah, we're going to finally agree not only on uh, an authorization, NDAA, but they're actually going to agree on an appropriations bill. Okay, so that's when they finally agree. They say, yes, the appropriations bill for the Defense Department should be X. Then it becomes a bill, and then they give it to the president, and he either signs it or he don't sign it. And then that's kind of how it happens. So it's important to remember that the authorization is one thing. The appropriations is another thing. The Senate does one. The House does one. At some point, they all merge together, and they— they agree on what what the defense bill should be, and I think it's done that way for all of the all of the uh, parts of the federal budget. But we only care we only consider about the the defense budget. But anyway, that was about five minutes. You'll never get back. Hopefully, I explained some stuff. So what I'm going to talk about is the Senate, and this is from an article from 18 July, just a couple of days ago. It's from Andrew Eversden. Uh, I pronounced his name right that time, I believe. From Breaking Defense, what a fantastic site this is, my go-to site. Uh, the article is Senate Armed Services releases a full $847 billion defense bill. Now, remember, this is an authorization, uh, the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act that the Senate did. It authorizes money, but again, it doesn't mean nothing until it's appropriated. And then, so there's still some, but it gives an idea of what, what the Senate's thinking. That's why it's important. So uh, it authorizes $847 billion, which is a ton of money. We know that. Um, what else is in there? Uh, let's see what else. Oh, it's important to remember that uh, the Senate uh, NDAA was, I just said it, 847. I think that's what I said. I can't find it now. Yep, 847. And the House, who released theirs earlier, 
Uh, theirs was 839. So right there, there's a discrepancy of 8 billion. But at some point, these two committees, these two uh, House and Senate will come together in a committee and they'll kind of figure it out. And at the end, they'll be in agreement. So somewhere between 839 and 847 is what the defense bill is going to be. Uh, is the defense budget is going to be for 2023. I mean, that's what I think. Now, it's important to remember in the defense budget, there's there's components. Um, and there are three components. They call them sub-functions. 051 is Department of the Defense. That includes OCO, Overseas Contingency, or War Efforts. There's 53, which is Atomic Energy Defense, Nuclear Stuff. And there's 54, which is Homeland Security, Department of Justice, and CIA. Uh, most of the money that we're going to talk about, practically all of it we're fixing to talk about, is from 51051, which is defense. And in defense, it's broke. that's further broke down, like everything else is further broke down, in operations maintenance, military personnel, procurement, research, development, tests, and evaluation, also known as RDT&E, and MILCON, military construction. Now, historically, most of the money out of that comes 41% is for O&M operations maintenance. 24% of that is military personnel, which is paying allowances. Uh, 19% is procurement, 12 is RDT&E, and 2 is MILCON. So the, what we're going to talk about for the rest of the time, if you're still awake, uh, is procurement and RDT&E. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about because that's what we like to talk about on this show. So anyway, geez, uh, I hope that was... 17 minutes. Hopefully you guys are still with me. Um, and we're going to talk about the Senate version of the NDAA, the 847. We're just going to cherry pick some things that I think are interesting in there from procurement and from RDT&E. And I'm going to pull it up right now. Stand by. So, of course, all this stuff is you can you can find it anywhere. I mean, the House and the Senate both have pretty darn good uh, websites. Uh, you can watch the stuff uh, on C-SPAN. You can watch the stuff on that. They have videos of, of all the whole process, pretty much. The only thing they don't have videos of or what's really not transparent is these committees. Remember I tell you they go into the committee and they kind of arm wrestle over what it's going to be. They're not going to show you that stuff, but they're going to show you the testimonies from the military leaders and, the, and, and stuff like that. And they're going to show you the voting and, and they're going to show you what the bills and all that. I mean, the bills are long as heck. I mean, there's no way a, a normal person could probably sit down during lunch and read this thing. I mean, it's just so. But they do break it down. They try to be good to the citizen, I suppose. They try to help you out. They give you an executive summary, which gives you the you know the cliff notes, and then they even break it down into tables of procurement and RDTE. I think RDTE too. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on. We're going to talk about the executive summary for a few minutes and then we're going to go into the procurement and RDTE and just talk about what's in there and then we'll end the show. So, hopefully you'll still be with me here in the next few minutes. Stand by and I'll pull it up. So, I'm in the executive summary and this came from the uh Senate Armed Service Committee website and I'll cherry pick some stuff. So, uh stuff that looks, you know, Interesting is uh, provides funding for to support a 4.6 pay raise for military service members in the DOD civilian workforce. Uh, amends the Selective Service Act to require the registration of women for the Selective Service. So, if you're uh, one of the international listeners, when you turn 18 and you're a, and you're a, a young man turning 18, you got to go to the post office. Well, 
when I turned 18, I had to go to the post office. But nowadays with the internet, you, I'm sure you don't have to go to the post office. You go to a website. But at the time, you went down to the post office physically, and you stood in line and uh, with everybody else that turned 18 that day and you, uh, or that week or whatever, and you filled out a card and you turned it into the post office. That was for the draft. Um, there wasn't no draft. But in case there was a national emergency, you know, they had all those cards that they could go through, and, and if they needed to, they could draft people. Uh, so any, but, but only males did that. Um, but now, apparently, um, some people in Congress uh, want, want females to do it too. So anyway, I think they did this a couple of years ago, and it never made it into law. Uh, looks like they're trying it again. Anyway, I spent too much time on that. This is interesting. In uh, FY23, active duty in strength for Army is 473, Navy 354, Marine Corps 177, Air Force 325, 44, and the Space Force of 8,600. Holy cow, 8,600. That's barely as big as a brigade. Uh, modifies the requirement for naval combat force structure to include a minimum of 31 amphibious warfare ships, and of which no fewer then 10 should be amphibious assault ships. You know, we've been going crazy with the Marine stories lately. We've had two in a row. And the more I read about the Marines, the more I like it. Um, so that's why I threw that in there. Cause you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn about this amphibious warfare stuff with the Marines and yeah, heck yeah. So give them more ships. So I don't know if there was a problem with, uh, cutting amphibious ships but congress or the senate says we're going to keep we want to keep at least 31 uh then it says supports army's focus on priority modernization efforts which we love talking about on this show which is long-range precision fires future vertical lift next generation combat vehicles air and missile defense um one thing missing from that is one two three What's missing from that? Oh, the net-centric, the net, and uh, soldier lethality. Now, why the heck wouldn't soldier lethality be in there? Soldier lethality seems to be doing pretty good, and next generation combat vehicles, for that matter. But soldier lethality is in there. Hmm, wonder why. Uh, requires a strategy to field systems to counter threats posed by unmanned aerial systems. That's a smart move there. Uh, let's see. I'm looking. I'm trying not to bore you too bad here. So in the NDAA, they have all the subcommittees, the ones that I mentioned before, like uh, Air Land and Sea Power and all that. And each of them have their own little chapter. So I'll go real quick. Uh, we don't talk much about air stuff. Uh, maybe if I get into that uh, Farnborough, I, I can do some air stuff coming up. I need to do more. Uh, most of the air stuff I do is Army. Um, but I'll cover some stuff. So it authorizes funding for an additional seven F-35s. Uh, I'm not really tracking F-35s. I know they're super expensive. Um, and there seem to be in the news. I need to start. I'm going to write this down. I need to start doing some news on the F-35. That sucker's always in the news. F-35. All right. Uh, what else? Authorized funding for additional four EC-37B Compass Call aircraft. Um, let's see, moving right along. Supports planned divestment of A-10s. I'll say that again. Supports planned divestment of A-10s. How about that? So 
A-10 aircraft, which is, you know, is a venerable aircraft, if I'm using that word right. It's been around for some years. It's very popular with the soldiers. I think it's popular with the pilots. And uh, I guess God knows what they're going to replace it with, the F-16 for close air support. I don't know. But anyway, supports planned divestment of A-10s. I said it three times. Uh, Now let's get to some land warfare stuff. Um, Support soldier systems and the network that enables more lethal and connected force. Okay, they added it in. Um, Directs long-term strategies for the modernization of the the Army's armored brigade combat teams and Army pre-position stocks. And authorize increased procurement of ABCT systems. Directs experimentation and mixed equipment with close combat formations of visual augmentation, enhanced night vision, and other situation awareness systems to optimize, to ensure optimal soldier lethality in the close fight. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? Enhanced night vision. I think they're talking about ENVGB and the IVAS, visual augmentation. Remember the IVAS. And you remember the close combat formations. We've talked about that before. That's called the 100K force, which is your cavalry. Your dismounted cavalry, your your light infantry, uh, actually, your, just say your infantry, um, forward observers, and combat engineers, and special forces type folks. That's your 100K force. That's who they're talking about there. It's always good that when you talk about those folks. Um, it authorizes one, uh, I'm sorry, authorizes $14.1 million to accelerate watercraft modernization service life. You know, the Army does have watercraft. Authorizes $292.6 million for an additional 22 Abrams tanks. Authorized an increase of $195 million for pallet and howitzers. And then authorizes $75 million for additional ENVGB, which is Enhanced Night Vision Goggle Binocular Kits. That's the best money they spent right there, that $75 million. Those things are awesome. Okay, I think I'm going to stop right there. That's enough for the executive summary. Now I'm going to go into the procurement. Remember, we'll talk about procurement, and we'll talk about RDT&E. And I'm just going to cherry-pick some stuff for procurement. And, I mean, this sucker is long. I'm not going to go crazy with it. How, how about this? I'll pick out a couple of Army systems, a couple of Navy systems, a couple of Marines, and uh, I won't go crazy with it. So, uh, Army procurement for uh, small unmanned. This is for Army small unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, let's see, ten billion, ten point five billion dollars. Um, let's see what else. These are procurement now. Hmm. How about the M Shorad? I just did a tweet on that yesterday, or was it today? Anyway, M Shorad procurement. $135 million. Uh, the Precision Strike Missile, which we talk about sometimes here, or probably should talk about more, actually. $213 million. Um, how about this one? This is a good one. The Javelin. $162.9 million they want to put toward the Javelin. Uh, the TOW-2 system, uh, $105 million. Remember, we don't talk too much about the TOW on here, so there's $105 million for that. Guided MLRS rocket, $785 million for that. That tells you. How much do they want to put for uh, MLRS reduced range practice rockets so people can practice? Uh, $4 million for that, 4.3. And high mobility rocket 
uh, high mobility artillery rocket system, also known as HIMARS, very popular, $155.7 million. And then lethal miniature aerial missile system, LMAMS, remember that. Remember that term, lethal miniature aerial missile system, LMAMS, $37.9 million. Figure to be more than that. That LMAM is also known as loitering munitions. I mean, you might hear that term loitering munitions, but here they call it LMAMs. I think it's just just another just another term for it. So uh, the 23, 2023 request had zero for Stinger, but the Senate Armed Service, the Senate says, "The hell with that. We're going to give you two hundred. Uh, we're going to give you two hundred million for Stingers." So. They didn't ask for, for it, but they're getting it. So total missile procurement, uh, the Senate has authorized $5.2 billion, $5 billion. The Army asked for three point seven. The The Senate says we're giving you five point two. All right, we're going to move into uh, a combat vehicles for the Army. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the Army, make everybody mad. How about this uh, multi-role anti-armor, anti-personal weapon system, also known as the MAWS, also known as the Carl Gustav, 26 uh, 0.6 million mortar systems 8.5 million you notice that if you're keeping up with ukraine and you're keeping up with this show how often do i talk about mortars that's right hardly ever never talk about mortars is mortars a dying weapon system is it going to be replaced by lmams and loitering munitions and and armed uas i don't know uh, the army only asked for 8.5 uh, billion, uh, billion million on mortars, and that's what they're being given. So I don't know. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. I guess precision strike, um, precision sniper rifle, 6.4 million. That's that new PSR. Next generation squad weapon, one of our favorites, 221 million dollars for that. That's awesome. Um, Porter, uh, let me see. Let me get to the ammunition. Let's talk about ammunition, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, do we want to talk about rocket launchers? Shoulder launch munitions, all types, 18 million. It's not bad. And we're talking about uh, uh, AT4s and, and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. How about uh, ammunition for the uh, 6.8? You guys know the 6.8, right? Where's it at? Oh, I don't see it. Here we go. Next generation squad weapon ammunition, the 6.8, $128.6 million. Now, to compare that to the 5.56, which is for the M4, 59. Uh, so the double, it's double what it is for 5.56. So it looks like the Army's going all in on uh, the 6.8. And we'll t the next highest is 30 millimeter, 143 million. And the only thing 30 millimeter is on right now that I know of. And I could be wrong, but I think it's only on that striker, that Dragoon striker um, that's out in Europe. And I think they're going to make three SBCT striker brigade combat teams that have the 30 millimeter on it too. Uh, we'll talk about mortars. 120 millimeter mortars, 127 million, uh, 81s, uh, 56, and then 60 millimeter mortars, 33 million. Not too bad. Okay, that's enough on uh, Army. Let me go on to something else. Okay, we'll talk about Navy real quick. Uh, the Joint Strike Fighter, which I do believe Joint Strike Fighter is the F-35, uh, $1.6 billion. Uh, Joint Strike Fighter, short take, STOVL, 
I guess that short takeoff vertical lift, 1.9 billion. Uh, let's see, V-22, which we know is a Marine Corps, 31 million. E-2D Hawkeye, which is 842 million. Let's see. I was going to try to find some of the amphibious stuff. Stand by. Here we go. Amphibious. Let's see. LPD Flight 2, 1.6 billion. Uh, LHA replacement, uh, 1 billion. And they have a bunch of other ships on here, of course. Uh, Virginia class submarine, 4.5 billion. Uh, Virginia class submarine. Well, I don't know why it's down here twice. And I think so you get the idea. So now we're going to RDT&E and we'll end this thing. So RDT&E, uh, let's see what's down here. Soldier support and survivability, 4 million. Let's see. Air missile defense systems integrations, 12 million. I thought there was some very interesting. Here you go. For future long-range assault aircraft, the Flora, uh, 23 million. Uh, robotics development, 26 million. Cross-functional team advanced development prototypes. I don't want to talk about that. That doesn't sound interesting. Small unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, 1 million. A future tactical unmanned aircraft system, 95 Imshorad, that's kind of a favorite subject of mine lately. Imshorad, $225 million for uh, uh, RDT&E. I wonder if that's got the one, that's where they're doing the, uh, putting a daggum laser beam on there. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Here you go. Counter UAS, counter small unmanned aircraft system, advanced development, $35 million. I need to put some money into that. And that's pretty much it. So anyway, you can find all this stuff online. We're at 33 minutes. That's a little bit. You guys know that I don't want to go more than 30 minutes. And I had no idea I was going to go longer than 30 minutes on this episode. Uh, I probably spent too much time on the budget stuff. Um, but anyway, so just to recap, we talked about uh, four more sets of HIMARS going to Ukraine. We talked a little bit briefly on foreign Farnborough. Maybe you know more about it than I do, but I'm going to look into that. Um, it's going on, so if you want to go check out their website. If you live in England, if I'm living in London area or near, shoot, I don't think England's that big, but if I'm living in England, I'm taking a train down there to Farnborough to see if I can get in uh, and check it out. And then we talked about the budget, how the budget works. Hopefully I didn't bore everybody on that. And then we talked about some of the procurement stuff, uh, the executive summary, and some of the RDT&E. So that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's it. So 34 minutes, a um, little bit longer than I normally like going. Um, so hopefully if you're doing your run today, I've given you 35 minutes to get out there and run, or hopefully you took, you know, took the podcast with you when you were doing your walk or went to the gym or driving to work. Anyway, I gave you 35 good minutes. Hopefully they were good for you. I appreciate all the support. Uh, supporters out on the West Coast, international audience some down in florida so all the downloads we get we really appreciate we really mean that uh tell your friends come on back check us out on twitter our handle is at defense underscore podcast i've had twitter since may and i can barely i have to read the read the on the piece of paper to tell me what it is because i can barely remember what our twitter handle is but anyway check us out um i think that's it 35 minutes all right, check us out in the future. We'll do another show here in a few days. 
And I think that's it. Episode 32 is in the books. So thank you very much and good night.